Are you ready? Starting now? <laughs> well, now you just messed it up, you knob. God, you know that the shit that we go through for this, huh? I know. <laughs> fuckers, fuckers better appreciate it. When we started, we were just like, yeah, we're just going to do this, man. You know, shoot our wad into the wind and see what happens. <laughs> What's right. the title of this uh, podcast again? I don't know. Objects, I don't know. Something with a penis, I guess. <laughs> right. <laughs> our fucking faces are everywhere now. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, but You're but welcome, ladies. <laughs> right. Popular with the ladies. <laughs> right. Oh, I'm not even going to apologize because I hopefully, hopefully it sounds <laughs> fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah, really? totally. this is this is fucking explicit now. <laughs> ah, the explicit button. Let me use my finger. <sighs> la, 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 la. It is time for another episode of Sober, Not Mature. And that episode starts now. All right, everyone. Welcome once again to another episode of Sober, Not Mature. And this week, yes, we have a guest. Guess who? (laughs) Has anyone been paying attention? It's Mara, a really, really good friend from from Cleveland. So you got two really, really's in there, Mara. So... um, I know. Yeah, a lot to live up to. I know, right? The deuces. <laughs> yeah, you are a deuce. That's for damn sure. <laughs> you walked into that one, but I so did. real quick, just um, introduce yourself, name, where you're from, uh, just a real quick intro, and then uh, we'll get started. Okay. Sure. My name is Mara Sankin, and I'm from Cleveland. Is that all you wanted to know? All right. <laughs> Yes. You know, it's, it's funny. Sometimes people will go on for like five minutes and other people go on for five seconds. So oh, I no. never know what to expect. So that was, a, no that need. was of the five second variety, but, uh, but no, seriously, I know we've, we've had a handful of other people on from Cleveland. So, um, you're just another one and hopefully a long list of uh, friends, you know, that we've had on from the Cleveland area. And, uh, it's always fun. It's fun to have, uh, have people on because, uh, Cleveland is obviously still Mike's home and, you know, where both of us got sober, so it uh, it's cool. And it's we're awesome. all here. Here, yeah, we are still <laughs> after all these years. Right. Yeah, we're. Yeah, I'm. I'm actually in Cleveland this weekend. Um, not something we really need to have to. We need to talk about right now. Maybe we will yeah. at some point. Maybe we won't. Um, but I, I am in Cleveland. I'm at Mike's right now. So, and I, I thought about that. It's uh, probably not even something we need to mention at this point. But yes, we're all. Uh, Mike and I are under the same roof. But yeah, this. Uh, right. I don't think and Mara's have, have like ever... a mile away. Five minutes. I know. Yeah. I could say come over. I should just have come over there. You can stick me in the basement. Right. I was just, I was just, just gonna ask you why, why? Yeah, with the bag, with the uh, the lotion and the basket, we got a hole down there for you too. So I'm sure you, you guys have you all the lotion. Over? Don't act like you're gonna share that lotion. <laughs> Do you want you want to come over afterwards? We'll put you in the hole. Oh, that's so loaded. <laughs> I know, I know. That's why I wanted to get your reaction. Okay, Mike, save me here before I before I say something else stupid. I'm not that powerful. Yeah, help your boy. All right, so I'm I'm gonna 
I'll say something stupid later, but for now, Mike, let her know how this whole thing runs, okay? All right. Well, you know, she's a Cleveland person, so we don't have to go too deep into it, but basically, we know how to get fucked up. We know how to fuck up our lives and the lives of everyone around us. We don't care about that. We care about the solution, but we do want a little background because we know you, but most of the people listening don't. So, you know, tell a little bit about yourself, what it was like, all that happy crap. And uh, yeah, then we'll move along. (laughs) Okay. Um, Well, I am. Well, in September, I celebrated nine years of sobriety. Um, September 17th. Thank you. uh, Which is wild. Super yay. Thank you. Super, super. (laughs) I get the the two. So. You know, I like to, the reason why I'm so proud of this nine years, I guess, is because I originally got sober when I was 18 um, in 1994. So my original sobriety date was December 28th of 1994. I was 18 years old. It was four days after my 18th birthday. Um, And I actually went without a drink for 17 and a half years and eventually picked back up. So I'm not going to say that I was sober. I, I was sober off of alcohol for all those years, but I was not working any type of recovery program. I was attending meetings and going to functions and I was very active in the fellowship, but I had no program in my life. And I really didn't understand the concept of differentiating the two, if that makes sense. I do now. Right. I do now. But um, I was just I had a lot of sodriety. I like to say sodriety. I was so dry. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Hey, and just, hang on one second here. I've never heard yeah. that before. How, how would you spell that? So I'm going to write that down. That's going in the description. So dry. I would say S O D R I E T Y. So dry. I, I like that. Okay. So just, yeah. yeah. All right. Sorry about that. Didn't mean to interrupt that story, but that made me laugh. No, so dryety. Oh, yeah, so dryety. That was me all day long. Mm-hmm. Like I was crispy. I was um, miserable. Oh my God. So miserable. Like really thinking that I was doing the damn thing and not understanding why I was so fucking miserable. Just mm-hmm. can I say, mm-hmm. I could say fuck. It's okay. Oh yes, you can. Oh God. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, yes. I was Please. Fucking, yeah, fucking, fucking miserable, fucking right. dude. Yeah. Like I was the biggest piece of shit and I, there literally was not in that 17 and a half years, there was literally not one job that I left ethically. Every job I was either fired from or just walked away from every job I worked. I was um, dishonest. You know, I, I can't even conceive of, of lying about something now. Like it would just eat my spirit away if I lied and knew that I was mm-hmm. lying. I lied all right. the time. I can't tell you how many times I buried my grandma. I had so <laughs> many grandmas. Right. I and had a few I, too. Yeah, but I was not drinking or using. <laughs> so I was just an untreated alcoholic. You know, I spent the first 10 years, well, the first eight years of that 17 in um, Narcotics Anonymous, which I will never dog another fellowship because they all help people. Um, mm-hmm, right. So I, I'm not going to say that I didn't stay clean clean in their lingo because of that. I, I picked up because I was not working a program. So about uh, 14 years in, I went on a, <laughs> I went on a cruise to Mexico and got off the boat and immediately made a beeline for the pharmacia. And um, 
bought some uh, somas and something on the boat that the guy said was like Mexican quaaludes. And I took Mm. them, but came back and still claimed sobriety because in my mind, it didn't count because it was Mexico and (laughs) kept sponsoring women and then eventually picked up booze and went off the deep end in 2014 or 2012. I'm sorry, 2012. So you know, I was not a hundred percent sober all of those years. I did pick up narcotics, um, but it was Mexico, so it didn't count. It sure. did count. I'm just saying that was my rationale. <laughs> I had. Well, that, I, I'm glad it counted because you know I'm going to be there in less than a week. Oh, good for you. Yeah, I had had major back surgery in 2006, and for a brief period of time, two or three days, the doctor prescribed me somas. And I didn't abuse them, but in my mind, I felt like, okay, well, I had this unlimited right to take them forever, I guess. I don't know, but mm-hmm. was, that's what not treating your alcoholism will look like in your crazy head. You'll be a liar, a, a cheat, and a thief, and uh, not have a drop of alcohol in your body. So I will tell you that this time around, when I, I burned my life to the ground in two years, lost everything, went from having a five-bedroom house, a career as a drug and alcohol counselor, a husband, a child, pets, all of the things to living at the Jean Marie house, which is basically the female version of the, the rock where you guys went, um, Mm -hmm, the women's house. And which meant that I was homeless because no one would claim me, but Katie Patton, you know, (laughs) no one else wanted anything to do with me. And, um, you know, my mother didn't want me in the house, my family, I wasn't allowed to see my daughter. Um, my husband was shipped off to live with his mother. Um, and, my animals had to be euthanized because I wasn't taking care of them. And I literally lost everything in a very, very, very short period of time. Um, when I came back in September of 2014. So I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, I had to do it right this time, or I was going to be miserable for the rest of my life. Cause I'll tell you one thing that was not happening. I was not dying, which is what I wanted. I was mm-hmm. hoping I would shoot some dope and die, but it never had just kept waking up. So I decided to work a program and here we are. (laughs) Imagine that here we are nine years later, right? Here we are. Yeah. It's beautiful. So, um, so during that, in that, in that first run that you had, and I know you said you weren't working a program, but you were going, you were going to meetings. So basically uh, just a little bit more detail there, kind of like what you would consider maybe filling a seat, but trying to work with people, um, possibly still because you were using during that time frame every once in a while or just let me no just ask I, at that the question. end is when i picked up the pills uh, and then at the very okay. very end is when i picked up the booze so i probably picked up the pills in 2010 and picked up booze in 2012 so from 94 to 2010 no drugs no alcohol in my body okay but again, the the whole thing with the with the sobriety, which I <laughs> still uh, mm-hmm. oh, that makes me laugh. That's the coolest. That's oh, thank you. Though no, I'm going to use that from now on. That's <laughs> good. That's fucking awesome. But yeah. I mean, we've we've heard about that from from the start. I mean, I heard about that years ago. You know, from from my dad long before I ever you know had an issue with alcohol. He talk about you know dry drunks and people not working a program and all that stuff. And um, I mean, Mike and I. I mean, you God, you and I, Mike, we've run across plenty of people that mm. you know they've got years under their belt. Maybe no substances in their body, but they're they're fucking miserable. Mm-hmm. You know. And and I'm guessing that Mara probably that was the same thing. I'm guessing you weren't the happiest person on earth, right? 
Oh, 100%. And I went to so many psychiatrists because I was actually more comfortable getting a psychiatric diagnosis than believing that maybe I just should need to work some steps in my life. Like it had to be depression <laughs> or anxiety or bipolar disorder right. or something because isn't there a fucking pill to make this better? Like it, right. give me the Prozac and the Celexa and the Effexor. And I'm not saying that there aren't people who need those things. I'm definitely mm -hmm. not dogging you know, the need for that for people who do need that. I will tell you that when I was arrested in 2014, my last run, I was on like seven different psych meds. And today I take nothing but vitamins and, you know, natural supplements. I don't, cause mm -hmm. lo and behold, I was never crazy. I was just a dry drunk. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? But, uh, right. yeah, I was miserable, miserable. And I didn't understand, like I'd sit in meetings and I would listen but I wouldn't follow the directives of put pen to paper and work the steps and practice the principles because the mm -hmm. steps are the same in Narcotics Anonymous and Alcoholics right. Anonymous. So that doesn't change. Um, it's all about doing an inventory, clearing out the wreckage of your past, making amends, um, forming a relationship of, with something higher than me, whatever I choose to call it or utilize. And mm -hmm. I could not figure that part out. I couldn't connect the dots. It didn't. It, it was great that that worked for all of you guys, but that is not going to work for me. <laughs> right. I was 18 years old. You know, I was sure. 18. Right. I was confused. And all I wanted was a boyfriend and a good job. And I, it was, it was all bad. My poor husband um, was so sick, but we could talk about that later, but yeah, he died. We can talk about that too. If you want, we'll talk about anything. Oh yeah, absolutely. Sure. So with, um, did you have, I mean, dur again, during that time frame, again, going to meetings and things like that, did you have a sponsor? Did anyone approach you? Did you just refuse to do it like you said, or just kind of like, you know, in there again, taking up space? And uh, I just didn't know if there was like, we've talked to some people and we've met people that, you know, I could do it on my own. I don't need all this stuff. And But those people usually aren't sitting in meetings. So just kind of curious if you ever were approached by somebody that said, hey, I want to sponsor you or walk you through stuff or how did that work? Yes, I had a sponsor through the entire, I, I was never sponsor list. My first sponsor was in NA. She was wonderful. She was my sponsor for, for a handful of years. Um, sadly, at 10 years, she went back out. So that's when I left NA and came over to AA. And then I got a sponsor in AA, an amazing woman who I just saw on Monday. Actually, we, we still love each other. And she sponsored me for the rest of that 17-year period. So um, they, I remember she would say things to me like, I can't help you if you can't be honest. And right. we sit in the car <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? Because the thing is, there was nothing she could have done different. It was me mm -hmm. that I couldn't get honest with. So I certainly couldn't get honest with her. And right. I can't, I could never have explained that to Mara then, but now it's crystal clear. Then I will tell you as sure as I am sitting here in my house, I believed that I was honest mm -hmm. and that I was doing my best. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? It's denial. Don't even notice I am lying. That's what denial stands for. Don't even notice I am lying. There's another one. I'll give you that one for free too. So that's what denial, <laughs> that's what denial stood for. You know, don't even notice I am lying to myself mm -hmm. and, and right. it, no one could have convinced me any different. Right. Well, and I mean, we had talked about that too, because I, uh, and you, like you had mentioned, you used the word delusional um, a little bit ago. And I, 
and I know that I that I was delusional because I I didn't realize necessarily that um, the position that I was in, how bad I was. It was, and this came up during this almost two years that we've been doing this. That there was only one time that I actually questioned, you know, really questioned my drinking because um, I hadn't until we were doing this. I I never thought I even questioned myself, but you know, all the shit that I was doing and as bad as I was and, and all those different things. And the same thing with, with honesty, I never thought it was a big deal, you know, to, to not tell the complete truth. You know, that wasn't a lie, you know, or mm. telling these, whatever these little white lies are or were, uh, which, you know, I mean, a lie is a lie, right? You know, so um, I was, a, I was of the same, I, I think of the same mindset where, you know, I just, I didn't, I didn't realize or didn't want to believe that, uh, you know, what I was doing was actually lying or, or was tell, telling myself I wasn't lying. You know, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. There, Lies can come in colors and sizes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We were talking She's right before the recording hater. that, uh, I don't you know, hate Mark, her. Don't, I'm sorry. No, 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 you're fine. No, let her, let her hang around. So, um, yeah, we heard Mara's cat, and uh, she's like, oh, my God. And I'm like, yeah, usually we have dogs in the background, which mm-hmm. we don't have tonight. So I don't think we've had – have we had a cat meowing in the background since we've been uh, doing this? You know, maybe when Chris was on. <laughs> oh, you know what? Yeah, right. Because yeah, um, – Right. I mean, that's – you know, the odds are there was at least one of the little fuckers making some noise. Yeah, uh. and it was um, – Melissa tried to get uh, Hercules out of the room and mm-hmm. he was just sitting there going, Oh, <laughs> well, she just happens to fit. She, she, she stands at her name is Alabama. She's named after Alabama Worley from true romance, a phenomenal Quentin Tarantino film from the nineties. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she just likes to stand at the refrigerator and scream for whipped cream, like a fucking crackhead, which I hate <laughs> because I will definitely give in to her by the end of the night. So I created this monster. My prince is right. over here being a, a gentleman, Winston, mm-hmm. the prince. But yeah, <laughs> God help me. No, like I said, keep keep the cats around. No, it's fine, and that's the one thing. All that, right. Well, in I don't know if we if we told you about this, but we don't we don't edit anything because we don't care. And um, you know, if there's stuff like that in the background, we don't care. We'd rather have the 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 imperfections that people want to call them that. They're they're funny, right, Mike? I mean, that's what kind of makes us, yeah. I don't know, makes us a little bit, I don't want to say unique. That's the wrong way to put it. But I don't think you listen to any any other podcast where we've had some of the, the shit that's happened in the background of our podcast. So it's fun. It's part of our, it's part of our charm, right? Right. Mike? <laughs> well, good. Now you'll get to hear her getting whipped cream. Here's your whipped cream. All right. Cool. Hey, turn your camera on. All right. <laughs> yeah. The cat's doing whippets. Right on. Right. Yeah, Mars Mars spreading whipped cream all over her cat. That could go in a bunch of different directions too. That could it count if it's whipped cream. Freelance. Right. <laughs> and see now you're halfway across the room, so we can barely hear you, but that's okay. You can't hear me? Where are you? I'm it's, right here. It sounded like you were farther away. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. No. Because you got I didn't your go ear anywhere. or uh Oh, okay. Yeah, but anyhow. Um so you were when, because you just said you got arrested, and that's when you went into the um, the Jean Marie house. So I yes. know there was more about that. You were involved in some other things. So tell us a little bit about that, because I, I, you have kind of dipped into that a little bit. I personally, I don't know that I've ever heard your whole story. So, but you were involved in something that got you arrested, right? Well, I mean, what got me arrested was that Crime. I was supporting. <laughs> yeah, I was supporting my. Yeah, I was supporting my hair. Well, I had a husband. I had a husband and I also had a boyfriend. So my, they knew about each other. 
honestly, at the beginning of my sobriety, I thought that I was just this really hot chick that had two dudes, but really, I don't think either of them wanted to fucking deal with me. So they kept pawning me off on each other. Mm. But, you know, my husband was wonderful and he loved me to death. He was significantly older than me. He was 15 years older than me and he was very sick, um, physically sick. And my boyfriend who, you know, karma's hilarious because my boyfriend ended up leaving me for a man. So there you go, Mara, there's your <laughs> karma. Um, my boyfriend was great and they were both just really good guys, but I was a mess in both of their lives. And I also had a daughter and my husband just didn't want me to leave and take her. So he was like, I don't, I understand our marriage is kind of gone. Um, just don't leave me and take our kids. She's all I have left to live for. Cool. I'm going to hang out with this guy. And that guy is decent as I think he tried to be in his life. He was a heroin addict um, and a crack addict. And he kind of turned me out on the needle. Um, he, he wouldn't let me use the needle, but I eventually stole one from him and, and taught myself how to shoot up. And mm-hmm. he taught me how to shoplift and, uh, you know, boost to make money. And that's what I was doing that day. I was driving around in my husband's car with my boyfriend and we were shoplifting, um, waiting in a parking lot for the loss prevention people to leave. Um, must have just either nodded out or done. I don't know what we were doing, but the car was already full of stuff we had stolen that day. And when we came to, um, the cops were surrounding us, uh, about five cops were surrounding the car and the car was in my name. So all the drugs were mine legally. Wow. Right. So, you know. Oh, I, I had been a drug and alcohol counselor for eight years in that city where I got arrested. So that was the pretty big, the biggest humiliation at the time mm. um, was getting pulled out of the car by police officers that had known me from the other side of things. Right. So I had sat on right. like opiate task force boards with the judges and the POs of this city and now here i was getting arrested in that city it wasn't cleveland it was a it was outlying of cleveland a different county so everybody knew who i was so it was fucking humiliating none of the probation officers would take me on because they were so disgusted with me that they had to bring in a supervising po just to take my case um because by the time i got arrested i was a disgusting street junkie like not showering not taking care of myself in any way or shape. So when the cops pulled me out, he was like, you stink. I was like, yeah, well, Mm -hmm. you have that. So. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you will. So yeah, crime and crime and, uh, you know, all the unsavory things is why I got arrested. So. Didn't you say that you went through some sort of initiation the day before? Did I miss that part or no? What kind of, what do you mean? I thought you said, uh, when, when you were talking to us, I, were you involved in any like gang activity or no? No, not like, no. Not, not real gang activity. Uh-uh. No, my... Oh, okay. Fa- no, that wasn't me. Did I? Unless I okay. was making a joke, I'm always saying <laughs> weird shit, so it might right. have You know, and that, that might have been it, because you showed somebody the picture and you said something about you went through an initiation the day before. I think that's when oh. we were at the retreat, but yeah, you might have been might have been messing with somebody. Probably, but, uh... yeah, no. Well, it, I mean, I definitely was raised uh, uh, around organized crime, but that wasn't not mm-hmm. like gangbang and like. Uh, gotcha. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Are you 
Are you like rolling marbles around in a box or something no, like that's that? No, my asshole just... cat. Jesus Christ, I can't even deal with her. She's <laughs> slapping a ball around a circle because she knows I'm on the computer. Mm-hmm. No, and it's okay. It. I was just trying to figure out what it was. It's no. it's not as bad as when when we had when we had our sister on. She, uh, I'm, I'm sitting there and we're talking, and all of a sudden I hear this crinkling and this crinkling, and it's like getting louder and louder and continuing. Finally, I'm like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> she was eating caramel corn out of a plastic crinkly bag, and she's like, "You can hear that." <laughs> Everything, like, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, but no, it's it's okay as long as I know what it is. It just you know it did. It sounded like ball. marbles. Sounded like marbles yeah. rolling around in a box. But uh, all right, so um, so you're still the drug and alcohol counselor. The, you get pulled oh, out of the I car. Know. I remember what I said at the retreat. So my mug <laughs> shot. I remember it just came to me. My mug shot is so <laughs> horrible because I was dope sick in jail for almost forty eight hours before they finally pulled me out for my mug shot. And mm. I, my eyes are all deeply sunken in my head. And I said, I look like I had just gotten jumped. <laughs> oh. I look like I had just gotten jumped into the Latin Kings. I do, <laughs> though. Like, I look like a very angry Hispanic woman in my mugshot. So, yes, that is well, that is what everyone says and that's to me. Probably, his- that's probably what I heard. Because I think you said that. You look like all I heard was jumped into Latin Kings the day before or something like that. And I was like, damn, yes. this, be, this is going to be a great conversation. So that's oh, why I, sorry, I didn't even. more interesting. No, you could have. Well, okay, so you can lie about that if you want. Make up a story. Come on, it's a podcast. She just well, said it would really kill her friends. spirit. I know. No, I know. I know. I'm just fucking around. But um, so so again, so you get you pulled out. You did all that. Um, how long did you spend in jail? Because there had to be a certain amount of time until you got, you know, obviously, or were you taken to Jean Marie right away, or how did that happen? No. No, so I spent, uh, I was in jail for a week. My mom called everybody in the world who knows me and said, if you go bond her out of jail, I will put a bullet in your head. So my mom's 100% Italian, half Sicilian, half Northern Italian. And my dad was, God rest his soul, the sweetest little Jewish guy who was like, just get the kid out of jail. And my mom's like, absolutely not, leave her in jail. So nobody came Mm -hmm. for me. I was in there on a 300 and something dollar bond going through withdrawal finally could walk without thinking I was going to die. And I went in front of the judge and he said, you know, your mom got you a bed at this Jean Marie house. And I was like, oh no, I am not about to go to some house with a bunch of women. Like, absolutely not. And I was still playing the crazy card. So I remember saying like, do they have doctors there? Like, are there counselors? I need to talk about my feelings. And my mom Mm. came from Twinsburg to Painesville for court And she was like, you don't need to talk about your feelings. You need to work steps. And I was like, no, thank you. I don't want the bed. I'll take the jail time. So they sent me back to jail, spent another week in jail, and then went back in front of the judge uh, another week later. And I was like surrendering, like, I'll take the bed. No problem. I was that first week. I was just an arrogant, entitled junkie. And by week two, Mm -hmm. I was desperate. (laughs) So that's how that happened. So had you, when, when you got um, the first run around, you just quit. You didn't go into any type of detox or even any sober house or anything like that. Just did nothing the first time, right? Glen Bay, Rock Creek. I was there for almost four months. Oh, okay. The first time around? Yep. Ooh, I was the 18. fancy place. It was. It was yeah. 1994. Very fancy. Very, uh-huh. It's even fancier now from what I hear. But, right. Um, yeah, got a boyfriend within like a first week there. The boys and the girl, the men and the women 
were allowed to share the same building, right? So the men were on the second floor, the women were on the first floor, but they'd let us watch movies together. So I'm like mm. giving our fashions <laughs> under the covers, like during movies, like, oh, isn't that what this is? Sobriety's great. Right. <laughs> yeah, 18. So it's traditional, the men were on top. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Doing not mm. much of anything. <laughs> right. Traditionally. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like I, I couldn't, I didn't know if you actually did anything like that the, the first time. But um, so yeah, you yeah. just got to detox and get through all your shit. Actually, sitting in a jail cell, huh? <laughs> yep. Yeah, it was very painful, very uncomfortable, because I was drinking a fifth a day. I had a heroin habit. I had a crack habit, but I was also prescribed um, Valium and Clonopin. So I was taking sixty milligrams a day of Valium, a lot of Clonopin. Um, so I was actually going through pretty severe withdrawals that had to be monitored by mm -hmm. the jail staff. So they were monitoring that I didn't die, but they did mm -hmm. not give me anything to take the edge off. Right. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So making sure from probably more so from the alcohol that you didn't go into like a, have a fucking seizure or something. Right. And the benzos. Yeah. But that was it. They didn't even right. give me blood pressure meds. I remember they gave me a couple Pepto-Bismol tabs, but I never got severe enough to even qualify for like. Uh, you know, sometimes they give uh, clonidine, which is for high blood pressure. I wasn't even, mm -hmm. they didn't give me that even. They just monitored me and made sure that I didn't have a seizure, but I got no medical assistance in the withdrawal. It was pretty brutal. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and I know that, uh, I mean, Mike, you you ended up doing the same thing pretty much as, as I ended up going through. I mean, you were, were you six or seven days of detox, Mike? Seven. Seven. Okay. Yeah. I was six, but, um, I don't even remember the first, the first two days or two and a half days. I don't even remember. They had me on so much fucking shit to bring me off. But, um, but yeah, I couldn't, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we, and we've learned that. I mean, we, we talked about that, the, in, that individual that the Mike knows that, uh, you know, ended up trying to detox on her own, you know, from alcohol and ended up dying. And, you know, we've heard those other stories, but, um, yeah, I can't, first of all, I can't imagine trying to do it on my own and I didn't know the risk, you know, at the time, but, um, yeah, that's, that's great. So they just kind of kept an eye on you and like, okay, let's mm. keep her alive long enough to get her in front of a judge. Right. <laughs> that's what they did. I didn't realize that my mom, cause my mom's a 36 year advanced medical practitioner. She worked, she just recently retired from a long, long life in healthcare. And what I found out after the fact was that she was calling and talking to the jail doctor to get my stats. And whenever he said, oops, the calendar one the camera went on. Whenever he said something about, that's a good um, thing you have your clothes on. Yeah, I don't care. I accidentally flashed my team at work the other day because my I was something similar hit the camera by accident. I don't even care anymore. <laughs> to care. I was like, you're welcome. But my mom was in contact with the um, uh, medical staff at the jail and was getting reports on what my BP was and my respirations. And she was like, nope, don't medicate her. I didn't realize right. she had she wasn't letting them medicate me. Mm -hmm. Right at all. Yeah, right. As long as I wasn't you want to live like this here, pay the consequences. <laughs> Good <Yeah>. for her. <laughs> yeah. Well, you uh, you detoxed on your own before, right, Mike? I mean, I'm sure more than once. Yeah, probably. yeah, once or twice. Yeah, I did. You know, and I've done mm. it medically too, and all that. And yeah, you know, um, I'm just glad I don't have to do it today. Right. Amen. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the Keating center is one thing, man, but I'd never, ever, <laughs> ever want to go back through a fucking detox again. That was, you know, it was fucking terrible, just terrible. So, um, so you were, were you ordered to the Jean Marie based on like in lieu of sentencing or how was that 
what happened there. Yeah. So I was charged with felony possession of heroin because my bitch ass boyfriend who left his syringe in the, in the side of the car where I was, uh, let me take the rap for it, even though it was, it was honestly his syringe. It wasn't even mine, but it mm-hmm. saved my life. That syringe. You know what I mean? It's right. yeah. it, that cause that's, it, I can't be mad at him at the time. Of course I was. Cause I was like, you mm-hmm. bitch, can't believe you're letting me take this charge. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I was charged with a felony. And then when I went in front of the judge, he said that he would bust it down to a misdemeanor. And it's wild because at the time I didn't care because I, I really had convinced myself that I had been sober the best that it was ever going to get. I, mm-hmm. at the time I, I was, it was so small that I really believed that Alcoholics Anonymous wasn't going to work for me. I, I could not right. connect the dots. You know what I mean? That I was the problem. Mm. So. Right. Right. Oh, I, were... I know exactly what you mean. Cause yeah, that AA shit didn't work for me either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was right. like, who cares if I get a felony? It's not like I'm ever going to amount to anything. This is who I am. This is mm-hmm. all I'm ever going to be, mm-hmm. you know? And thank God my mom showed up in that courtroom and was like, you don't want a felony on your record. Cause see, if that would have pled out, if I would have taken the felony, they would have released me and bound it over to the grand mm-hmm. jury. And I could have just gotten out and then gone back to what I was doing. And I remember my mom saying, just give yourself, just go to treatment and take the mm-hmm. misdemeanor. And I was like, fine, you know, fine. <laughs> Cause it, it wasn't that big of a deal, which is interesting because, um, yeah, I, I am actually finally paying the money to have my misdemeanor taken off my record. I never really had mm-hmm. to worry about it. Cause I was in drug counseling and they didn't care about having a misdemeanor, but I'm at this place now right. where I don't want it on my record anymore, you know, but at the time I was willing to take a felony because I thought that's right. who I was. I was a felon. So who cares? Mm-hmm. Leave it. <laughs> right. Wild. So yes, right. yeah. Right. Well, speaking of being dishonest with yourself, right. I'm a fucking piece of shit, junkie felon. And that's what I am. Except you weren't. Right. You just, you just needed to do a little work on yourself, and it turns out you're not that person. Um, Pretty fucking wonderful. Thought. Imagine that. Right. Yep. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it sounds like we're we're about to get into the solution, right? So, Mike, why don't we, uh, what do you think? Take a break real quick? Absolutely. We'll be back with the solution right after this word from our sponsor. Hey everyone, it's your friends at Sober Not Mature. Hi and, there. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, it's it's both of your friends this time. Hi Mike, how are you? I'm well. How are you, Bill? <laughs> I am doing well. But we do we do have a purpose. Uh, we we actually <laughs> usually talk about uh, our one website, but we actually have two websites now. So two. We two websites in one <laughs> all right so so everyone knows we still have the podcast website that is www.sobernotmature.com uh-huh. and we just launched the store website so uh, we also have that do you know what the website address is on that one mike of course i don't <laughs> it's pretty easy mike it's www.sobernotmatureshop.com ah. so <laughs> but from the, the the podcast website, you can still hit the store link and get into the uh, into the web store, or you right. can access it from our Instagram page through the highlights. Uh, we've been posting quite a bit of, about it, and we'll continue to do that. But mm-hmm. do you know what's on the second website, Mike? 
Um, it, well, there's a store. There are products that you can purchase for you and your loved ones. <laughs> well, Mike, do we do we still have merchandise? <laughs> we have merchandise. Well, we got T-shirts and coffee mugs and all kinds of crap. <laughs> and one of the one of the coolest parts, we also do have. <laughs> All the recovery books from Hazelden, which is kind of a big deal. That um, is least, a big deal. Eh, at least for us. So all the books that we read, God grant me, 24 hours, the big book, the 12 and 12, um, all of those books are available for sale on our website. And they once are. again, that, that store website is www.sober. <laughs> Trying to help, man. <laughs> I know you are. You're not helping, though. Okay, now i got to say www.sobernotmatureshop.com. Dot so, com. Dot com. Visit that today or visit the, the podcast website, which is, again, you know the podcast website, so. Uh, com. <laughs> Did you just say sober but not mature? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Write that down. Yeah, like fucking mush mouth or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. You've suffered enough with this, and uh, we'll get back to what we were talking about previously. So visit the websites, though. All right, everyone, welcome back to The Solution, <laughs> starring our good friend Mara and her cat. And, and her my cat, cat. And his, two cats. Your, yeah, the two cats and their balls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Hello. Hello. But uh, hey, no, so, so, yeah, you get, okay, the, obviously, misdemeanor sentenced to, or in lieu of, whatever it is, you, you happily trot into the Jean Marie house <laughs> as we all do right. and, uh, mm. and uh, lived happily ever after. Right. Is that, I mean, we could wrap up now, right? <laughs> oh my God. I wish it's so funny. Right. I actually, yeah, no, I, I didn't happily do anything. I right. was miserable, angry, very angry to the point where people would actually pull me aside and say, are you ever going to smile? Like I was just <laughs> miserable. <laughs> yeah it's it a good brutal. thing you didn't know anyone like that mike right that was right angry and... <laughs> oh, i was mm. i was an angry motherfucker when i went into mike like we've talked about that on here too and uh, i some of the things that that he remembers i'm like i'm like oh shit you remember that and i'm like i i said that or acted that way you know it's mm -hmm. it's been thankfully it's been it's not out of my mind, but it's been long enough. And obviously changes have been made over the years where I can't even imagine that person anymore. But, um, yeah, it's, it's weird to look back, but I, I don't ever want to forget how fucking angry and miserable and pissy and everything else I, I was at that time, because man, I don't, I don't want to be that person today ever, you know? So Oof. same. Yeah. So, okay. You walk awful. in there and, um, you're angry and all that stuff. And, uh, yeah, yeah well, kind of walk us through how, how things went during that time frame. So my mom dropped me off with a roll of quarters, a carton of cigarettes <laughs> and two lighters and said, do not use these quarters to call me. You can use them to call anyone else, but your family is done with you until you're willing to show us that you're different, not tell us that you're different. Cause uh -huh. she had 17 years of bullshit to come. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I had brought a grand, a grandchild into this world. My mom had been cleaning up my mess as a quote unquote sober woman for 17 years. She was done like to the extent where I like to tell this story. Cause I think it's pretty cool. For my five-year sobriety anniversary, five, not one, not two, not four, my five-year sobriety anniversary, she gives me the code to the garage so I can go into her house when she's not home. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was right. my gift. Yeah. Yep. 
So, you know, she, the, the Jean Marie house in the beginning, it was just, you know, no, my mom didn't want to come see me at, you know, she sent me a care package with some tampons and at once and some soap and some deodorant, um, to make sure I had my basic needs met, but I was not going on visits on Sundays. Like the other girls did. I was not coming back from my visits with bags of Victoria's secret sweatsuits. Like I was wearing donations, um, Mm-hmm. because I was, you know, didn't have very much of my stuff. My husband came about halfway through my halfway stay and took me grocery shopping and my selfish, you know, ass self um, was just like, it was all about me. What can you get for me? What can mm-hmm. you buy me with, you know, with your money? My daughter had been sent to live with my sister in Phoenix. So that was one of the big biggest things was losing her at the time. So I had a four-year-old child. She's, she has some special needs um, due to some complications in my pregnancy that resulted in her being denied oxygen at birth. So instead of taking her to speech therapy, occupational therapy, all of the therapies, I was too busy getting high. So my daughter was very, very um, underdeveloped by the time I went into Jean Marie and my sister took her in Phoenix and, and started giving her a life. So I was without my kid. Um, my animals were put down. Like I said, I had, I had four animals that were all euthanized on the same day. My husband had to do that. Um, and I just felt like I had nothing left in the world. I was sad. I, I didn't know what was ever going to happen to me and, um, I didn't have any hope. And, you know, my story, I do believe in a higher power that I, I choose to call God. Um, I was raised Jewish and Catholic, and I had a Jehovah's Witness babysitter that so I, they put I was everywhere growing up. And I didn't I don't believe in <laughs> right. organized religion. <laughs> I'm not a churchgoer. I'm not a synagogue attender. And I don't go to the kingdom hall. But I do believe in God. I believe that God is love. That's my belief system. And during mm-hmm. that, that in my belief is also that God is positive energy. So I believe I have to communicate with that, that positive energy every day or else I'm going to be negative. And I look at it very much like, like plugging into a wall or a socket. So without those visits, without the distractions of, of my family pouring into me during that time, I was able to build that relationship with people in Alcoholics Anonymous and build a relationship with my higher power. And it, I believe that saved my life because a lot of the girls I saw who did go home every Sunday and come back with bags of clothes and get their kids back right off rip and get their husbands back right off rip. A lot of them, most of those people are no longer sober and some of them are dead. So, Mm -hmm. you know, having to work for every single thing I've gotten has made it very worthwhile to me. It's, it makes it harder to lose when you, you know what I mean? Exactly. You value it because you had to earn it. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So that's yeah. that's what Jean Marie was for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was kind of the, the the same way with the with the Keating Center. Although um, I, my my mom did give me an allowance. She gave me a twenty dollar a week allowance, and she did buy chips and gave Mike and I cookies and mm-hmm. um, you know over time and stuff like that. But uh, <laughs> and yeah, that's uh, she used to make oatmeal chocolate chip cookies and. Uh, when we those were are still like my favorite cookies, God, I yeah. miss those. I know it, it <laughs> might not have been till we were three quarter because I remember bringing them down into the three quarter room. It might have been mm-hmm. halfway, but I'd bring them in this. Um, it was like this uh, a container that used to have like uh, like caramel corn in it. So it was a big, like a big Tupperware mm. dish, but a, a larger one, you know. And so she'd fill that up. And I remember bringing that back to the Keating Center, 
and I would fucking hide it, you know, because just because <laughs> we're fucking animals. Yeah, there's just a bunch of Pigs, fucking animals right. around there. But any, but even at that time, I think Mike, you and I, and I think I shared them probably with uh, with Tom and maybe mm-hmm. one other person. But um, like when I bring them back to the when we were in the three quarter dorm, I think I shared them with everyone. But yeah, then then our mom started making making it so mike his own separate batch so he got, mm-hmm. he got his cookies and you know i'd get mine but and that's the thing though and i did um man, i got uh and watching a lot of the guys that were at the keating center uh at that time frame that you know didn't have anywhere to go nobody to to go home to nobody to help them out or anything like that and my mom lived in uh, medina at the time so every Sunday she'd drive up and back to pick me up and then up and back to, to drop me off um, completely around my schedule. Cause I had to be back at a certain time. She'd either make dinner early or, you know, make dinner for me to take back cause I had to go to a meeting, um, you know, but um, I mean, I, I must've, I, I didn't take advantage of it. I know that much and I know I appreciated it and, and I did work, you know, when I, when I went down there, um, so for whatever reason and completely 100% against my nature at that time, um, I didn't just take shit, which still blows my mind because I don't know where, I don't know where that, uh, that transition happened for me, you know, of why I wasn't taking advantage of the situation. Um, even at the Keating center, Mike, I mean, I, I sat there and I was stubborn. I didn't, I did everything I was told, but I didn't participate right away. Right. You know, mm-hmm. Um, but I just kind of, I literally just, I followed the path, did the, against my will, I, you know, again, just shut my mouth and crossed my arms and said, I'll listen to these motherfuckers, but I'm not saying a goddamn thing. And that's exactly mm. what I should have done. <laughs> but, but I did right? it without even realizing that I was doing it. I thought I was being obstinate where I was actually helping myself. Um <laughs> You know, but I mean, we saw, I don't even know how many guys, you know, we tried to figure it out. What do we think? hundred guys, 150 guys in that summer right. that, that went mm-hmm. through there. Um, and, you know, so many people, uh, you know, went, went back out um, and died and, and all those sort of things. People that we see to this day, you know, at the Keating Center events, you know, that are back at the, back at the rock. I mean, 13 and a half years later, these guys mm-hmm. are, are back there again, you know. Right. Um, and, but for the grace, we always say, you know, that there goes I or he or we or whatever it is, but, um, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what happened to me, but I'm, I'm glad it did, you know? Right. <laughs> and it right. sounds like, you it's know, beautiful. same thing sounds like it happened to you too, Mara. I mean, yeah. it, it, Katie Patton calls it the connect, you know, it's the moment that your heart connects to your head. You know what right. I mean? <laughs> that it just, the connection occurs. It, it's like the right. longest road ever, but once it occurs, it's like, you don't ever want to lose it again. And mm-hmm. yeah, that was, well, it. Marty has a better but way I... of saying it. He, the, the popping sound when your head comes out of your ass. You know, and yeah. I, when I used to do group and stuff, I'd talk about that with the guys and be like, you know, he used to say that to me and it pissed me off, man. He's like, you know, put your head out of your ass. And I'd be like, fuck you, man. You know, cause I thought he was calling me stupid. What I didn't, what, what wow. I figured out eventually, like when my head came out of my ass, um, is when my head's up my ass, everywhere I look, all I can see is myself. And when my head comes out of my ass, I actually see that there's other people in this world that I affected, that affect me. And I went, oh, fuck. All right. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. People that benefit from your sobriety, you know, instead of just right. getting hurt by your hurtful nature... 
Exactly. Yeah, well, you know, I, the, biggest, the biggest lie that we tell ourselves, and we believe it with all our hearts, we're not hurting anybody but ourselves. <laughs> yep. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's right. We, unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, you know, um, we affect other people. It's just all about how we affect them. You know, it used to be we didn't give a fuck and we thought we weren't hurting other people. We were, you know, I'm locking myself in a hotel motel room somewhere, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I'm just, you know, uh, I'm not affecting other people. But yes, locked in that motel room 100 miles away from anybody I know, I'm still hurting other people. And, and I got to remember that, you know. I've got to remember Dude, that it's... everything I do affects people. So... Everything. What the fuck am I doing? Yeah. Am I am I being positive or am I being negative? And today, hopefully, I'm being positive. You know, I don't always feel like it, and I <laughs> don't always feel like I want to, but <laughs> got to remember I have to. Right. It's wild. Yeah, and it's that uh, it's that ripple effect, and and we've talked about that plenty of times. You know, we we used to spread all these negative ripples, you know, out to everyone and. Everything, everything we did and every person we touched, we fucked with in a bad way, you know, but now we have that opportunity to, you know, to do things differently. And hopefully, you know, whether it's this thing we're doing or whether we're sharing in a meeting or, um, you know, interacting with somebody like at the retreat we went to, you know, um, you know, shaking somebody's hand or listening to somebody's story or hanging around in one of these groups a little bit longer. We never know who we who we might be affecting in a positive way. But then again, still, even to this day, you know, we got to watch ourselves because who might be, you know, who might we be affecting in a negative way? You know, there's always mm-hmm. somebody watching, learning and listening, you know, and Mike said it perfectly The he said it plenty of times, but I know a, a few episodes ago, maybe a month or so ago, you know, he said all of us and in something we heard years ago, everyone can act good for 60 minutes a day in a meeting. But then, you know, Mike, you had said what the after from the uh, Our Father to the Serenity Prayer, right? Right. You know? mm, yeah. 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 From the Serenity Prayer to the Our Father, it's fucking easy. It's from the Our Father to the Serenity Prayer that we got to keep our asses, keep on our toes, man. You know, <laughs> yeah. make sure we're doing That's the right thing. Matters. Yeah, exactly. Yep. That's where it matters. Not in the church basement. You know, it was funny 100%. today on the, on, on the way out here, I had stopped at, uh, I don't know where the fuck I was um, coming out here. And I just stopped at a, uh, pulled up the, the highway and stopped at a subway. And I've been to order something and I'm sitting down eating and I was close-ish to the door. And I had, uh, you know, a few different napkins and one I had already used. I wiped off some stuff on the table. So I just had this folded up napkin and somebody opened up the door to either come in or come out and the wind blew in. And blew this napkin from my booth over to the next one, you know, like on the on the bench part. And I saw it. I'm like, well, that's kind of fucking weird, you know, just kind of blew my napkin over there. And then at the end, I almost walked away without picking it up. And I'm like, <laughs> literally something in me. I'm like, I got to pick up the napkin. And then as soon as I picked it up, it reminded me of when we first got sober, walking into a bathroom or all these little things we were taught, you know, picking up that yep. napkin meant nothing to anybody but me. You know, and it, you know, okay, so I don't pick up a fucking napkin. So fucking what? But if I pick up a napkin, I'm doing something, you know, it's, I'm not changing the world by picking up a napkin, but again, it means something to me. Um, I'm leaving that, that little subway restaurant, hopefully in the same or better condition than, than I walked in, you know, and that's, mm-hmm. that's what this 100%. thing is about all these little things. And it used to, it used to irritate me because I remember that going into a bathroom and like a gas station or something like that couple of months sober and you know you do the whole you know again paper towel and you know throw it towards the can and it misses i used to just fucking walk out and i was doing that and i'm like 
I, it was this overwhelming need to pick it, pick it up at that point. And thankfully it's, it's that way now, if something like that happens, I'm like, fuck, I got to pick that up. <laughs> and, and it's a little things, you know, it's wild that we, yeah, it's wild. It, but the, you know what? That's boy scout shit. That's literally what right. you're taught in <laughs> the brownies and the cubs. Like you're uh-huh. taught to leave, it, it, you're taught to leave, you know, um, people, places and things better than you found them as simple mm-hmm. as it sounds from a conversation right. to a room to a gas that you know what i mean that's that's what but we don't no. listen to that shit that shit's dumb that's dumb shit right. until you get sober <laughs> that's corny now it's life saving yeah now it <laughs> right. saves our lives it does yeah yeah and, and now mean- you know but again doing it over and over and over again it's just kind of part of who we are which is cool right and why? Because I, mean, I don't care about well, things we, like that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> without, a pro, without a program, without a program, I do now. Now it matters to me. Right. It's part of who I am. Mm-hmm. But before, right. hell no. No. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, it is. It's all of it's kind of corny. All the things we do, you know, the prayers, the meditation things, the readings, the you know, anything we do, the processes. It's you know, if I suppose if somebody's looking at it from the outside, once again, like you just said, Mara, that doesn't have a program, so that's kind of weird. This little process and everything that people go through, you know, but it is corny as it is, or as ridiculous as it seems, or meaningless possibly to somebody from the outside, it's fucking everything. Because without these, everything. Without, the meetings, without the program, without the steps, without the everything that we do, without this process in this routine every day. And, and that's a, maybe that's a question too, because we usually, you know, we talk to a lot of people about that. I mean, Mike and, have, Mike and I have a routine that's pretty similar on a daily basis. But mm-hmm. so from like, when you get up in the morning on a, on a typical day, whether you go to a meeting that day or not, um, do you have have a, a specific routine that you do every single day, no matter what? Yes. Okay. To the point where it's annoying myself. <laughs> oh, it's not private. No. <laughs> no. You're just, Sometimes just, you're like, you're like, spicy. Yes. Oh, spicy. Go, wait, hang on. <laughs> no, no, I'm not sure in that part. Hang on. Depends. Wait a second. I, I'm just getting, oh. the, getting the pen here. Getting the pen. Go ahead. <laughs> you're not that lucky. I'm not getting, I'll tell you later. <laughs> I'll text you to you. I'll text right. you to you. No, I, you know what? I have not gone a day. I will be honest with you. I've not gone a day without making my bed since I got sober, whether Mm -hmm. I'm at home at someone else's house or in a hotel room, even if I'm in a hotel, I will make my bed. Um, I guess the only time times I haven't made my bed is the one time where I, I, there was twice where I had like the flu from hell or when I had COVID and there were a few days where I didn't get out of bed to make it. But every Mm -hmm. single time I've gotten out of my bed, I've made my bed. So the first thing I do in the morning is I get up and I make my bed. Um, I, I then will engage in some sort of meditation and my meditation almost always closes with, you know, God, please show me how I can be helpful to others because I finally have believed in the fact that if I am of service to God and to others that I don't have time to be caught up in my own bullshit. Mm. So mm. <laughs> that doesn't always mean service to other alcoholics. I work in hospice right now. So hospice is a very service oriented profession. There's you literally only get the chance to do end of life correctly. One way, one time you can't, mm-hmm. you can't screw this up because you're not going to get another chance. So a lot of my service work is through my job. You know, how can I do something extra for this person or their family at probably the hardest time of their life? Um, Or 
you know, uh, so I service service is some, how I close my morning meditation, my morning prayers. I do pray. I don't always pray on my knees. I'm not a big believer in that, but I do believe in mm-hmm. conscious contact with the higher power of my choice, whatever that is. I right. will, I live by myself with my cats. So I do a lot of talking to God all day. Like, I don't know what you're telling me right now. I don't know what you're doing, but I'm going to trust you. <laughs> I'm really annoyed with you right now. This is <laughs> fucked up. Like, I don't know what, why are you sending me on this mission, God? Or why did you mm-hmm. send this motherfucker back into my life? Or why are you doing this? Or what? You know, but it, that those are how my conversations go with my higher power. Um, mm-hmm. Go to work. Oh, I definitely, you know, feed my cats usually the same time every day go to work, come home, uh, you know, do whatever I have to do around the house. Um, I have some work stuff I have to do every single day to close out my day, some computer stuff, plan for my next day because I'm in sales, um, sales and marketing. So I I look at what my next day uh, looks like. I lay out my outfit like a fucking first grader. Like, oh, what am Mm -hmm. I going to wear tomorrow? Which jacket? And hang it up. Make, (laughs) And then I go to bed uh, if I or I go to a meeting and come home and go to bed. Right. Very boring, but very boring. But I'm sure you guys could relate. Get me out of my routine and I will lose my fucking mind. Mm -hmm. I do not do well at other people's houses at other places like i need to know where where are my little mango treats that i like to eat every night for dessert where's my oat milk what am i doing where's my favorite cup like i'm very structured now (laughs) it's wild very structured and i mean i i know mike is too and i mean we fuck around with each other back and forth about certain things but um and i mean we live together not just at the you know the three-quarter house but you know we got to know each other's isms i think at that point would probably be the right way to put it right mike and then uh, <laughs> and then then living together in you know that upper that we lived in same deal i mean we we figured out and even at the three-quarter house anytime we had a new guy come in we would actually sit down with them um and mm-hmm. i was probably the first one to do it i'm like okay here's when i get in the shower bob gets up at this time he goes to the bathroom i get in the shower then this person does you know because basically it's like this when these new people come into our to our situation i'm like i gotta be out of the house at a certain point you know and this is when bob goes in this is when mike goes in this is when we've got this set you can fit in anywhere you fucking want but don't get into my shit you know and yeah like at the retreat you know so when we got to that retreat and you know we went over for dinner and stuff like that um the only thing i was when, when i first thought about it i'm like where am i going to do my reading because i was that was mike and i were kind of like shooting the shit about that and he's like i'm going to sit mm-hmm. in the car because that's where i'm, I'm going to smoke anyhow i'm like oh, that's a good point but then mm-hmm. we ended up downstairs and there was those uh, the mm. breakout rooms. So both mornings, um, I get up early, and I went downstairs, and I that coffee pot worked, you know. So I grabbed coffee and I went into one of those side rooms. I did my readings, I did my prayers. I went back down there, and I'll usually get that's when I do some of the social media updates for this and and you know on Instagram and stuff like that. But I took that time away from everyone. I heard a couple of people come down the stairs. Nobody popped their head in. I was telling Mike, I'm like, you know, nobody's going to fuck with me. You know, even if somebody popped their head in, they, I mean, everyone's there for the same goddamn reason, you know? Right. They're yeah. going to realize that I'm, I'm sitting in there, I'm taking time for myself, but it was extremely important. I wasn't worried about it because I knew I figured it out, you know, but um, it was important to me. I planned that out in my head. Wh- where am I going to do this shit in the morning? You know, 
Um, yeah. When our mom died, we were, we talked about that on one of one of our episodes. You know, we were in this mm-hmm. this Airbnb with fourteen fucking people. You know, mm-hmm. I in if all else fails, if I'm someplace for Christmas or holidays or somebody's house. I'll go in the bathroom in the morning when I'm brushing my teeth and doing my contacts. I'll do my prayers in there while I'm doing that because they're mine. And then my readings I'll do out, you know, in, in front of people. But people know. People know what I do. People know what Mike, Mike does, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, yeah, it's that. Yeah, it's I don't want my routine fucked with. And it's it's a non-negotiable. I'm going to get those done one Oof. way or the other. Um, so either way, uh, even if I got to tell somebody, you know what? Give me 10 minutes. Give me 15 minutes, whatever the deal is. I would have went in the stall in the bathroom at that retreat if I needed to, to do my readings. If that's the only place I could have gotten privacy, it doesn't matter to me. I just want to get it done. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Right. But I it get will it. be I'm done. The same way. Oh, no fucking, <laughs> no fucking right. shit. You know? Yeah. But uh, it's wild. I'm about to have surgery at the end of December. Some pretty mm-hmm. serious surgery. My family's going to be here with me. My, my mom and my two sisters. So uh, how many people is that? Three, four Italian women in my tiny house. <laughs> I, I, I don't like, I just, I just know that it's going to be something my, my routine's going to be messed with. I'm not going to be able to go to the bathroom when I want to, because someone might be in there. I, it's going to be wild. I have to surrender that I can't be so rigid all the time, but that mm-hmm. rigidity has also saved my life. Oh, so right. it's, it's weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, like, like all of this shit, man, it's, it's finding that balance. And yeah, sometimes, you know, <laughs> it's funny. Um, I don't know if you guys experience this, but like, you know, okay. First of all, I didn't want to go to the retreat. I really didn't. Um, That's okay, kind of either. for so, some of these reasons, right. You know, I'm going to be out of my routine. I, I'm not going to, I've got a fucking perfectly good house right here. Why am I going to this place? You know, <laughs> Who are you telling? Who are you right. Telling? Exactly. I know. I know. Yes. Right. Okay. So anyway, so we got there and it turned out to be wonderful. I had a great time. It was all uplifting and all that shit. And I felt really, really yeah. good. Right. Um, you know, we left, um, <laughs> my home group is Sunday night. So I went to my home group. It was all great. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm spiritual high and all this shit, all this happy crap. And then for the next, <laughs> the next two days, going back out into the re- real world with all these other assholes out there, you know, cause oh. I mean, all for all weekend, right. We're surrounded by people who are there for the same reason and people <laughs> just like us. And it was wonderful. Right, and God, yep. the next two days, I was fucking pissed that I had to yes. be out with normies and assholes. <laughs> mm-hmm. okay, okay, so I'm not alone in that. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, actually, if you listen at the closing ceremony, you didn't hear it because it was really getting loud in there because all the mm-hmm. all the people came in. But one right. of the last things that Kevin says that uh, normally when we have the closing ceremony is he goes, "Don't forget as you go out to." As you go out into the real world, everyone else was not at a retreat all weekend. So they'll look, you know, be careful because people are still out there being assholes. That's one of the things. So obviously it's a, it's no, a fuck. common thing. Apparently I missed that. God damn. That would have yep. helped. Yeah. <laughs> Every time that's how he closes the weekend. That's, By the of way, course Shane, he does. There is of course he does. It's coming up in March, March 15th right? and 17th. If anyone wants I, to come. I think we're planning um, on the June one, but yep. June is rad. It's so nice outside yeah. and we go in the water <laughs> and everything. It's so much fun. So mm. I'll see you guys. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I won't be in the water, but 
you can sweat. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's what when you were asking me about, uh, you know, if anything, and we brought that up on the on the podcast when we had talked about it um, afterwards. That you know, that how did we like it? Was anything different? Right? Whatever. And same thing. I told you. I mean, I had a wonderful time. I. That's my only thing. I, it would be. It would have been nice if the weather was nicer. But that had zero. That had nothing to do with the retreat. That just had to do with that would had, would have added one more layer to to the thing you know the retreat itself the structure everything everything was fucking wonderful absolutely wonderful it's great and i mean Thank all you. like like mike said you know being in and that's a, that's always the cool part about going to a meeting any type of meeting you know for the most part you get some meetings where people are fucking around and just there because they have to be and whatever and that's fine um you know but in in a retreat like that uh, that's a commitment because people not only taking time out of their out of their lives but there's a there's a commitment a financial commitment and a time commitment you know so people are really into being there you know and again all there for the same reason and it just it was it was spectacular it was just wonderful. Absolutely thank wonderful. You. Yeah, it was great. So. I think it's everyone oh, should do it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, really, really. Uh, I mean, we wouldn't have been there if you wouldn't have asked us to be. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> yeah, it's a- I do wish more of our friends would come. Like, I wish, but I think it's, I don't know if it scares people or if they think it's some weird-ass kumbaya bullshit, but it's not. That- it's very cool. <laughs> it really yeah, is. Right. I just, people just need to have an open mind because just right. the setup of it and hearing different hearing the, the steps but you're required to talk about the steps from the literature so it's not your mm-hmm. opinion on the steps it's right. the steps it's i think it's brilliant and, right. yeah. and effective but yeah and, and it, right it's not your opinion but it is your personal experience with experience. the steps right you know yep. and and yes we're all there we're all the same you know none of us are different all that good stuff but you know, clearly we all approach them slightly differently, you know, how we incorporate them into our lives. And it's very cool to hear other people's opinions and and how they, how they do it, how they work it and how they do incorporate it into their lives. And, you know, um, yes. So, you know, clearly, yes, my way works for me, but I also want to know how your way works for you. And it it expanded my understanding. It was, it was great. I loved it. Thank you. Oh, that's I'm so a, glad you guys came. Oh, it was it was great. But I mean, Mike's right. I mean, neither one of us. Um, and, and again, it's not like we didn't know there's retreats or anything like that. But never once in the 13 and a half years that we've been sober, and Mike and I are really close. There's mm-hmm. ne- we never had a conversation about, hey, that'd be great to go to a retreat someday, right? Right. The, right. the conversation yeah. never happened, you know. But but here's the thing, and and this is what we were taught that if we're first of all, you asked us. So like Mike said, thank you. Um, you know, but that's the thing you asked us and there was a purpose for being there. If it would have been, you know, it, I don't know, just some random person that said, Hey, there's a retreat coming up. Hey, uh, great. Thanks. Nice. Right. But it's, Oh yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, cook's forest. I've never fucking gone. Right. It's a, it's, it's a big camping thing over in, in Pennsylvania. Um, huge sober thing. I mean, you know, probably shit. I know hundreds of people that go all the time and right. I'm like, nah, I don't want to go lay in the dirt. That's why I fucking pay my mortgage. <laughs> I, know. I get right. it. Same. But I mean, you know, going Same. there and, and having that opportunity to, 
you know, because that's you, you mentioned service and stuff like that before, you know, having that opportunity to, you know, to, to get something out of it, but also be of service. And um, just like like Mike said, getting different ideas, the all the, the, the prayers that I do, it's it's a it's not a long thing, but it's it's long ish, you know, but every piece of it I've learned or I've taken it from somebody. None of this shit. I never prayed before in my life, mm. you know. So the prayers, the, the books that we read, um, the processes that we go through, you know, these are all things that we've taken from people, you know, that, or, that have been given to us freely. But yes, we take them right. from people, but in a positive way. And we put those into our lives. And you know, the, the one that we talked about on the podcast, which still I'll mention again in case anyone's listening to this and I didn't hear the other one, is there was one individual that, and through all the little groups that we were in, Mike and I were only in one together. And we happen to be in this one together. And um, this individual is talking about every morning she wakes up as if in, in, in her mind, she's at the edge of a cliff. Her toes are right at the edge of a cliff. And with every piece of her program that she does, whether it's a reading or a prayer or a meditation or doing service work or this and that, she moves slowly away from that cliff. So by the end of the day, she can't see the edge anymore. But then she wakes up the mm. next morning and she's right at the edge of that fucking cliff again. <laughs> and I and it was, that. I told her, I know I told her, I said, that was so impactful to me because I'm such a visual person. That's number one. But literally I could see myself. It, it's practical, you know, because that that's it. If we're on the edge, we're on the edge of drinking every day, single day we wake up because we're starting over again. You know, it's, it's this, it's this sober groundhog day that we got to live every fucking day, which is good, you know, but if we just, we don't do any work, we're going to fall over that cliff sooner or later, you know, so it was perfect. And that was just one thing that we heard, but um, man, I'll never forget that. You know, it's just so visual. It's great. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's and cool. the beautiful, the going back to my experience of my, my relapse after all those years is I wish that I had fallen off the cliff a whole lot sooner than I did, because I'm telling you waiting over a decade to fall off the cliff was pure torture. So mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, it's almost more of a gift to fall off the cliff sooner, but I love that. Right. I love that practical, you know, cause I've heard the thing where, you know, here's the drink, here's me. And then in, but then I put something down and go, okay, this is prayer. And then I put something else down. This is meditation. This is sponsorship. This is meetings and everything I put between me and that drink. And then as I take everything away, I get even closer, but the cliff version is actually the cliff notes are actually, you know, I can see that in my mind's eye and that's brilliant. So I'm glad yeah. you know, mm -hmm. I love that. And wasn't uh, Mike, I think she's, she might be a year or, I mean, she's, she's young ish. I know in, yeah. in, you know, she hasn't been sober like, you know, like years and years. Um, right. But, but I mean, that's, that's the other thing too. And, and we've talked about this is that it's so, it was so nice getting the, uh, the mix of people that were there, you know, number one from ages and backgrounds, but also lengths of sobriety, because you get some of these, and we see it all the time. You get these people that are in that, you know, that one to two to three year sober range. I mean, that's when people are just, I mean, they're, they're fucking crazy in a good way. You know, they're all this and they're all on happy. Fire. And they're, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's, yeah. and it's great, yeah. you know, because I like being around those people now, you know, I still, I do everything that I do every day, but it's just become a part of my life. I appreciate it and all that stuff. Um, but I have to remind myself to be grateful every day. I have to rem remind myself that I can't control shit. I have to remind myself that I have to be patient and it's somebody else's fucking will and not mine. <laughs> all those things I literally have to remind myself of 
at least twice a day, probably more. Yes, more most mm-hmm. most days. But you get these new folks mm. that you're around, and you see that just that fire, and it's like fucking a. I remember that. I want to be like that for a couple of minutes here, you know. <laughs> and, but it does. It's a recharge. It's a recharge being around those those individuals, and that's exactly what those those retreats the retreat was to me. It's a it's a refocus. It's a recharge. It was just a rebirth. Is too fucking corny even for me to say, but um, it was. It's just a recharge mm. of the whole thing, you know. So. Yeah, but that's good. That's good. I love it. Tell everyone about it because I would love for everyone to experience it at least once because okay, it really well, here, is. Hang on one second. Renew- renewing. On one second. Everyone, go to a retreat. Okay, there we go. I just told everyone. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> no, no, yeah, good looking thanks. out. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> so, um, so what else? I mean, t- tell everyone else what what you what you've done over the last last nine years because you were you sent me a text. I could just read the text that you sent me because it made me laugh. Um, but you know, oh. I mean. You know, the, the things that you've done, that the things that you're proud of now, the things that you've you've gotten back in your life um, since you've been sober. I mean, it's it's been nine years. I think I think some good things have been happening to you. Oh, for sure. Um, well, I think the biggest thing, the biggest gift that I was able to, to give back was that I did make the decision at, at four years sober to let my sister permanently adopt my daughter which was devastating, but beautiful at the same time, because it truly was, in my opinion, um, exactly what my God would have had me do, give her the life that she needed and, Mm. and be a mother, be a real mother. And what does that mean? You know, some people are like, what does that mean? Be a real mother. To me, that means doing what's in the best interest of my child, regardless of how it makes me feel or make, or made me feel at the time. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I had a year sober on September 17th of 2015. And then a few weeks later, October 8th of 2015, my husband died. So Rob and I had been together since 1996. He was like my first boyfriend, my first everything. Um, And I spent, you know, almost half my life with him, Um, moved out of my mom's house in with him. So, you know, when he died, it, it devastated me, even though our marriage was very toxic at the end. And we certainly weren't in love anymore. He was my family. He was my, my family. You know what I mean? And, and I will never, he, he never let me go without anything. He always defended me. He was my biggest cheerleader, my best friend in the world. Like no one could say a word about Mara to Rob because Rob would kill for me. So to lose him left me feeling very alone in the world. Um, and he did die of an overdose in a sober house, a very sad death considering he had been in some 12 step fellowship for 30 years. He'd been one in one or the other. He just couldn't, he couldn't stay sober. And he did die as a result of this uh, disease of not working a program and, and he died. So, you know, I could not in my right mind, see it fit. I'm living in a sober house. Rob's dead. How am I going to bring Brooklyn back from Phoenix back here to what, you know, she has a mom in a sober house and her dad is dead. If she stays in Phoenix, she has all of these services. My sister got her into all the therapies. My brother-in-law was basically already raising her like she was his child. She had a mom, she had a dad, she had all of her needs met. So that was probably the biggest act of faith that I ever took in sobriety. And I remember I was working at Whitehaven at the time, which is a treatment center out here. And I had some really amazing people in my life that I worked with. And this one man who is, I call him my brother, um, 
he said to me, you know, you will be amazed at the blessings that will come into your life for, for this selfless act of what you're willing to do. And of course, at that time, I was like, maybe I'll get a car. <laughs> maybe I'll have a car in my name, you know, because I was driving right. my dead husband's Honda, you know, and I was like, or, or maybe, maybe I'll get approved for a credit card. Those were the blessings I thought were going to come to me as a result of, mm-hmm. of doing the right thing. It has been, multiply that by a million. Everything, it, how about the peace of mind and knowing that my child is well cared for? Right. How about the respect, right? How about the respect? How about the option now of having that experience to share with other women when I go into treatment centers and pick girls up for meetings who have six months sober and want to go back to being a full-time mom that think that right, they're right. ready to do that? Mm-hmm. You know, how about the knowledge and the, the being wise now and being able to actually carry a message of experience and because that's a huge thing. I see women relapse all the time because they, I got to leave treatment. I got to go be a mom. My kid's waiting mm-hmm. for me. Oh, my kid's right. going to end up in the system. Um, of course I've had wonderful things happen to me. You know, I went back into drug and alcohol counseling and then I left the field and got into the field that I'm in now. Um, which is, you know, healthcare sales, uh, which financially of course is, is much better, but also just, the amount of confidence it's built in me, you know, addicts and alcoholics are born hustlers, right? We're salespeople. We just are. Mm-hmm. I, listen, buy this. I promise. I know. <laughs> I know. It, 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 I know. It looks like you know, but I'm telling you, if you smoke this, it's gonna change your life. Okay, whatever. How much is it? Five hundred dollars. Okay. You know, I can sell a ketchup popsicle to a woman in a white fur coat. So I knew right. that being get, getting sober and actually working steps, I was going to learn how to actually use my powers for good instead of evil and make a living mm-hmm. and be successful at it. So mm-hmm. that's another benefit of sobriety. Um, you know, I'm a single woman. I'm not in a relationship right now. I've, I've gone on some dates, but nothing that's really made me willing to give up my being alone and figure out who I am. I, I love this journey mm-hmm. that I'm on. And, uh, one of the benefits of that, I bought a house for myself in my name. My name's right. on the deed. This right. is my house. You know what I mean? <laughs> that that's huge to me. Uh-huh. Uh, a couple months after owning my house, I found out that God bless this crackhead who lives, used to live here. He still owned the land in the back that no one seemed mm-hmm. to figure out until after I moved in that this wasn't my whole yard. He starts showing up at my house. I befriend, I befriend the, the town crackhead. And about three months later, I buy the land from him. I waited till he was nice and sick and said, you want a thousand dollars? Sign the land over. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. So I'm a landowner. I'm a landowner and a, ho- a homeowner. Um, <laughs> on Monday, I'm actually, you know, going to buy a new car. I'm going to buy the car on Monday, like it, in my name with my income. I loved my husband to death. I, I, I loved him with everything in me, but I'm not going to sit here and lie and say that it did not benefit me to get money from his family or to claim sure. his income or to use him for all those things. So mm-hmm. the fact that I can say I own all these things because I have become a self-sufficient, independent woman is huge for me mm-hmm. because I'm not mm-hmm. that person when I'm not sober. I'm using men right. to get whatever I need. So Mm -hmm. those are all, you know, those are the benefits of sobriety. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. The the peace of mind that, that, right. 
that were not right. And we trust me because I was the same thing. Only I used women. Yeah. And right, yeah. you know, and nothing was ever in my name. And <laughs> right, but you know, and then we resent them for us taking from them. I hated oh. that. God, I fucking how, hated how, that. How dare you be so weak to let me use you? I know. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> I know. God. Right. But yes, but now, right. I know. There's, you know, I mean, yeah, the bank owns most of the house and the bank owns most of the car, but but they're all in my name and I make those payments 100%. on time every month. And, you know, it's, yes, yeah. it feels fucking great. Yes. It's scary to think of giving it up. Like even going out on dates, I feel guilty because it's like, mm. it's like halfway through the date. I'm like, I know this isn't going to go any further. And now I feel like I'm using you. Like my conscience comes <laughs> up, like I'm being a piece right. of shit. So let's, let's, let's go out for dessert, except this time it's on me just because I feel, but you know what, that's <laughs> what life is about. It's about going out on a date and like learning someone mm -hmm. and even, you know, but, but communicating too and mm -hmm. saying, this isn't what I'm looking for, but right. you know, A, B and C where in the past, uh, well, I got dinner this time. Maybe next time I can get some clothes. Maybe then the third uh -huh. time I can get a house. You know what I mean? Right. Like, Let me get a trip right. out of this dude. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, yeah, I'm willing to buy me a bracelet. All red flags. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's so, I can't even do that today. It's not even nope. part of who I am I to manipulate somebody to get what I need. I can't, I can't do it. Mm -hmm. so, well, and, and yeah, with the with the relationships the and, and stuff like that, and it's it is it's that communication. And the um, I was always I don't know um, I didn't realize that you could. And Mike and I talked about this, and I think we've talked about it on here. But until I got sobered, it was probably not I don't know probably six seven eight years ago now. But um, figuring out that I can actually love people on different levels, whether it's the the type of love that I can have for my, you know, my friend and my brother, Mike versus, you know, even you guys, all of the, you know, the, the, our group, you know, of people that we have here, you know, and then there's the love of my children. And then, you know, when you're talking about a, a, a dating situation, I don't have to, you don't have to fall in love and get married to, you know, to go out on a date, you know, and to your point is, if it's not working, having the balls these days and the integrity to tell the person, you know, this is this is what I'm looking for and this is what I'm not looking for. And if it's not working out to be able to walk away and not fucking step on somebody's feelings or fucking drag them along. And then, you know, six months later, the person fucking hates you, you know? Yeah, <laughs> you know for I mean? sure. It's, it's not how it. my normal. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just blowing no. up people's blowing up people's lives and, and all that stuff. And I mean, dating apps are a fucking mess. I mean, Mike and Chris got really fortunate, <laughs> you know, because yes, that did. is not the norm. No, it's not. No. And, mm -mm. and I've had I the thing of it is that I, I've been on date often off and on with dating apps for years and I've met a lot of wonderful people. I have not been in a long-term relationship since I've been sober, but it's been by choice because I meet these wonderful women, but it, it's again, the reason I bring up that level of love thing is that I'm not going to commit to somebody or, you know, try to try to hijack somebody's life. If I'm not in love with them, that's not a fair to them. And the sure as fuck is not fair to me, you know? Um, no. And, and on top of that too, I'm fine. You know, I, I can, I could be on my own. I love being around people. I love the human connection. I love all of that stuff, you know, but it, it is, it's the, I could probably walk out, you know, walk out tomorrow and, you know, find somebody to use. I don't want to do that, you know, because I don't feel good about myself. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just not the way we have to live anymore. And it's, it's fucking wonderful, you know? 
and one of the beautiful things is, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, you go. All right. Well, I was just going to say one of the beautiful things about this is we're actually comfortable in our own skin these days and we can, we can be by ourselves and and it's okay. Right. We don't need to leech on to this other person and, and to make our lives complete. Right. No. And then we are complete. No, the, the, it's weird. And to know we are complete and not have my self-worth and my happiness contingent upon, did I get a good morning, beautiful text? Because I'll tell you what, I, I've gotten 5,000 of those texts and it wouldn't even impress me today. That's all you got? Like, come on. But, you know. And, <laughs> but I would have sold my soul nine years ago for someone to call me baby and say good morning. Like, I, it mm. was, absolutely, what do you want me to do? But the other piece of that too is, being open about my sobriety today, if I were to get into oh, a relationship God, yeah. with somebody that I don't really care about and then use them, I, now Alcoholics Anonymous looks like a shit show because I represent right. in every mm-hmm. act that I do, I represent <laughs> Alcoholics Anonymous. So I, I'm not going to go on these dating apps and have, because I'm going to have that conversation. I don't drink. Sure. I don't drink. Right. Why don't you drink? I'm in recovery. I choose not mm-hmm. to drink. I'm in a 12 step program. If I am that asshole, that strings somebody along and then finally gets the ball six months later after I blew their life up to end it. Now AA is full of assholes because I represent that. So that's another mm-hmm. thing I have to take into consideration. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's why yeah. I didn't kill Jesus boy at the retreat. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. We told that the story on here. So yeah. That was, it, but no, it, it. it was, it was, and it wasn't. You know, yes, it was difficult in the moment for me and my feelings, but um, no, but it really wasn't all that difficult because, like you said, I was representing the program and I was practicing the principles in that particular affair, and it wasn't all that tough. I still wanted to throttle a little dick, but I didn't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's t- I forgot to tell you, it's a Christian camp. My bad. No, I mean, we... Oh, it's what I, Hell, I figured it out, yeah. but I pulled in. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah we... Oops, my bad. No, no, yeah. we figured that We figured that out. He was just... He's he's not your typical person. I mean, you think that, like Mike said, usually a couple of words or however he put it, a couple of phrases, you know, usually shuts right. people up. Right. I've been doing this a while. I know how to, how to <laughs> shut him down pretty quickly. Right. <laughs> Gently. Yes. I know. Just not... That's, that's not... It doesn't work for me. I don't believe in any of it. It's fine. It's good. I'm glad yeah. you do. I don't. Right. Well, that's it. That's the you other thing good. too that I that I've appreciate or that I appreciated about the retreat is that there was especially getting into you know the the certain groups and the certain steps when you know we start talking about higher powers and stuff like that and um, I knew. And again, it comes up. I, I brought up the fact that, you know, I don't I'm I'm not an organized religion person. I think, Mike, you probably talked about being an atheist if I'm not. Thinking, I did. You know, and, and I'm at best agnostic. And, you know, we were able to have those conversations amongst the groups. And it's the same thing with going into a, a meeting um, that most I, I've I can't even remember the last time that I've run across an intolerant person in in Alcoholics Anonymous in a 12-step type of situation like that, that's like poo-pooed whatever somebody believes in for their higher power. That just, you know, the, the thing is just, no, it's not us and have a higher power. It doesn't matter what it is, you know, but there was, again, great conversations, you know, people that believe in the, you know, whatever the, you know, the mainstream, the organized religion got, and then people that, you know, are atheist or agnostic or believe in a, a fucking tree. I don't know. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to matter. And that's, 
that's cool. You know, it's having that, again, that openness and that, that trust that what you say in those rooms and at those retreats, you know, you're not going to get chastised for it, you know? And, and that's, yeah. That, again, fucking Jesus boy was the, you know, this person's supposed to be, you know, again, representing whatever the fuck he's representing and doing it in that way. You know, I mean, it just, those are, that's the type of person that I was more irritated because I don't want to be that guy, but I mean, he just wouldn't shut the fuck up and I'm trying to eat. You know, that was the other thing. <laughs> just, dude, let's just, let's, let's just enjoy our breakfast, man. You know what? That's it. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't uh carry, you know, what, what do we say? Um, he was a dick. Uh, I, I think that's I what remember. we said. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, to each their own. Right. If it works for him, God bless him. No pun intended. Yeah, so. exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, so what or, else? Or Mara? pun intended. What other, what other wonderful words of, uh, I don't know, encouragement. I was going to say wisdom, but I don't know, whatever you want to call it. What else do you want to, um, I don't know, portray or get out to people out there? I don't know. I guess I was thinking in the sh- in the shower today, where I do my best thinking and I have my <laughs> most interesting arguments yeah. and all of the above. I was thinking, like, what could I say to somebody? And it really, as wild as it seems, and as much as I hate cliches, because sometimes I feel like cliches can be dangerous, right? Like, a lot of times these cliches are treatment cliches. They're not AA cliches. They're not in the mm-hmm. big book. You know what I mean? Like. I could go, I could do a whole episode on that, you know, meeting makers make it 90 and 90, like, no, but work steps go to, you know what I mean? Those are not, but anyways, don't get me started. But I was just thinking like, if I were to say what my favorite cliche was or something that I wish I could have told Mara from nine years ago, it's, it it would really be to trust the process. That's it. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean? You know, this too shall pass is another one. What does this too shall pass means? Well, the good, the bad things are going to pass, but guess what? So are the good things. So you mm-hmm. better get present in this moment because, mm-hmm. it, you know, it, you're going to have some really hard times that, that are going to turn to good times, but you're also going to have some really good times that are going to turn to hard times. And if you're not in position with your support group, your higher power and your, your spiritual stamina to deal with these things, they are going to knock you to your knees. So, so when they say trust the process, it's like, you know, build that support group so that, and, and know that everything eventually is going to be okay. It's already okay. You don't know mm-hmm. it yet, but it is, <laughs> right. it's already okay. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. like, it, it's just this wild experience that I, I did not, I did not understand what it meant until I, I came through it. Cause you know, that moment that I'm sitting in the sober house and I get the call that my husband is dead, my entire life changed. Everything that I knew, I had been with that man since I was 19 years old. I was now 38 and I was a widow. Like everything I knew to be real was gone in the blink of an eye, but but everything was okay. Everything mm-hmm. was already okay. You know what I mean? It was just, mm-hmm. it's just trust that everything's going to happen exactly the way it's supposed to. And I promise you that no amount of forcing, crying, pleading, Mm. dragging, holding on to is going to change any of it. So Mm -hmm. you may as well just surrender and trust the process. Yep. Right. Beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I, I know I can't say anything else to top that. So I, you know, I know I don't think Mike, I don't no. think Mike can either. So I think we're done, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I have no, to but, brush my teeth. No, I know, but seriously, right. Mara, um, 
obviously, uh, I mean, thank you. Thank you so much for, for coming on. And uh, um, thank you again for, you know, obviously, I know we both already said it, but thanks for inviting us to the retreat. But um, we really appreciate oh, thank you, coming. you for coming. That meant the world to oh, me. Oh, it was, again, there's the, the thanks is all on this side of the table. It really, really is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I will fight you. Sounds good to me. <laughs> but seriously, thank you. And, uh, um, you know, now now is our time. You and Mar- me and Mara, we're going we're gonna to be quiet because it's Mike's time to close us out. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Sober Not Mature. Thank you, Mara, for coming on here and sharing all your stuff with us. And thank you for being our friend and all that good stuff and including us in some wonderful things that were bigger than us. It was great. And as always, kids, go out there this week. Do something nice for somebody else. Be kind. Be gentle. Do something and don't tell anybody that you did it. And now it's time. It is that time, kids. It is time for you to fuck off. Then keep fucking off. Keep fucking off till you get to a gate with a sign on it saying you cannot fuck off past here. Climb over that gate. Dream the impossible dream and keep fucking off forever. (laughs) Once again, the favorite part of the episode for both of us now. Right, Mike? (laughs) That's right, because it means I'm done. I know, but I love it anyhow. But uh, but seriously, Mara, thank you. Um, Mike, I love you, brother. And uh, yeah, you and I are going to see each other in minutes. And then uh, Mara, I mean, we'll see each other soon, I'm sure. But uh, once again, thank you so much for coming. I hope you guys don't run out of lotion tonight. Oh, 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 shit, that's right. Yeah, We'll make our own. We (laughs) (laughs) see, I could go farther than you. Hang on, Mara, Mara, what's your address again? What is it again? I know where she's at. We'll be there in a couple minutes. We'll we'll be over. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right, everyone. You know what? On that note, we're just going to say bye, right? Bye. 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 And now it is time for you to fuck off. Then keep fucking off. Keep fucking off until you get to a gate with a sign on it saying you cannot fuck off past here. Climb over that gate. Dream the impossible dream. And keep fucking off forever.